Good morning, Bird Gang, and welcome to another episode of the Morning Scramble presented by Verizon Wireless. I'm your host, Felipe Corral Jr., joined by Danny Sarek, Craig Rilu, and Rolando Cantu. Guys, not the victory Monday we've been accustomed to throughout this entire season as the Cardinals fought to the Los Angeles Rams 30-23 to on Monday Night Football in Week 14. Hey, at some point, like these type of losses happen, you got to deal with it. But the important thing is to, you know, adapt and then adjust moving forward. Let's get right into the main dish. There's a lot to talk about. A lot went on yesterday. It was a pretty, you know, interesting and intense game throughout the course of that Monday Night Football matchup. We'll start with you, Rolando. What was your biggest takeaway? There's a lot of takeaways on both sides of the, of the ball, especially on special teams. But what was your main takeaway? There's a lot of uh, errors, mistakes that were done throughout the entire game. But even though that the difference of the of the game was seven points, and I think you know what the the Rams did, uh, two takeaways they produced that turned those into points, Felipe, and that's what the Cardinals have been doing our entire season. So the, last night, Monday night at State Farm Stadium was a little, you know, preview of what the Cardinals have been doing on the road, and I think for sure uh, seeing the team fight and battle towards the end that's one of the takes that i got uh from this result obviously the loss hurts a lot it was a it was a game where you know we we would clinch with a win uh a playoff berth and that did not happen so now it's back to the drawing board felipe back to the basics and trying to get this road uh win here next uh sunday versus the lions Danny, I know those two interceptions were costly, but this offense, they weren't necessarily struggling, right? Like throughout the course of the game, they were moving the ball well. There was a couple instances instances where they didn't convert on the fourth and two. Kyler Murray threw an interception at the, at the four-yard line, things like that. But this offense continues to showcase their dominance, right? Absolutely. It was just kind of a rare situation. I mean, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins broke a 23-game streak without a dropped pass. Two interceptions, both were intended for tight end Zach Ertz. I think what really ended up costing this offense, though, ended up being penalties, specifically those that last drive. And that's just something that you have to prepare for during the week, Is right? You have to understand Uh, who's officiating the game, what they normally call, what they don't call. Um, A lot of that, too, was more so just Aaron Donald absolutely dominating that offensive line. He had 14 pressures, and so he drew a couple of penalties because it's very difficult to stop him. This offense is still great. We've seen them great week after week. It was just an off night, and they just really struggled. They They were making passes, but they really struggled to kind of make it worth it. Essentially, there Kyler Murray didn't throw any touchdowns. It was just it just seemed like an off night for this offense. It just seemed like that cherry on top was missing on on top of every like good offensive drive. The cherry on top just wasn't there. Whether it was a DeAndre Hopkins drop that you mentioned, where whether it was an interception, whether it's a failed conversion on fourth and two towards the end of the game. Just I mean, sometimes the cherry just. It doesn't go on top. Craig, I know on the on the radio postgame show, you get a lot of callers that, you know, give their input on what should have happened, if they were the GMs, what they should have done. I know off air we're talking about how people were mentioning, oh, well, if they had Larry Fitzgerald on the sideline, like if that makes sense, or they're kind of calling out Cliff Kingsbury. But what was your what were your interactions? What was your most interesting caller that kind of like threw you off in a way? It's always an adventure on Cardinal Talk after losses. The one big 
talking points, and we got into it as well with Mike Jarecki and Kyle Vandenbosch, was the decision to go for it with 5.27 to go. You're down two scores. Do you kick a field goal at that point, or do you decide to keep that drive going? James Conner was stalled, and that wasn't because of the play call, but the play execution. The Rams blew up that play, but the decision to go for rather than kick a field goal. And I understand both sides, but if you like the aggressive nature of Cliff Kingsbury all season long, not just last night, but all season long, then you have to accept that's what he's going to do even in that situation. Yes, you're down two scores. I understand what the Monday Night Crew was saying on ESPN, but you have to live and die with those decisions that are being made. And the Cardinals on fourth down this season are 12 of 19. It did not work on Monday Night Football, but it has worked all season long. So I'm going to stand behind the head coach on the decision to go for it there rather than kick a field goal. Plus, now all of a sudden, Felipe, you're asking Matt Prater to kick another 50-plus yarder, 54, 55 yards. Not saying he can't do it. But are the odds that a snap, hold, and kick are going to be successful or gaining one yard? And if you can't gain one yard to keep that drive going, then you don't deserve to win. And the Cardinals didn't play well enough on offense or defense to, to earn a victory last night. Rolando, before we move over to our Rise and Shine, we love to interact with our fans, right, on, on social media, specifically on Twitter, where the show is being streamed. And someone mentioned the game that Aaron Donald had against that offensive line. I believe it was like three sacks, 11 quarterback carries, a pass deflection that resulted in that interception. Uh, what did you see from the offensive line compared to week four? Because in week four against the Rams, that offensive line neutralized Aaron Donald, right? He had one of his, his worst performances this season. And then same thing happened with Cooper Cup. They both went off. What happened? What did you see from that offensive line? Well, Donald was on a mission uh, yes, last night. I mean, this guy was lining up uh, in the interior position, three technique, four technique, all over the place. And he was just giving different looks. I think his aggressiveness to kind of just blow up uh, any combo blocker, even one-on-one, the first drive, Max Garcia kind of struggled with a bull rush. That kind of set the tone because in the first game, he they were, they were week four, they were running towards him really aggressive and that kind of got him thinking a little bit like hey do i stay in contain do i stay in my gap or do i gotta just go forward so i think in this time around uh he was definitely on point the explosiveness was there he got in a little rhythm where he was timing the punch of the offensive lineman once you time that punch and you knock those hands down and you kind of just go blow right past them i mean anything can happen he actually blew right past james connor a couple of times in the backfield and just kind of touched them so those would have been tackles for losses and they would help the, that Rams defense a little bit more. But for sure, I think his aggressiveness was there. Uh, Von Miller on the flip side was, you know, also a concern for this offensive line, Felipe. So there was, there's big names and, and excellent athletes on that offensive line. So I think everybody knew what was in front of them. We just kind of, you know, I think they, they were just thinking too much in, in regards to kind of the execution of the plays on the, on the Cardinals side. And at the end of the day, it's a battle, man. You line up, you put your fingers down. And you got to go. You got to make sure you reestablish that line of scrimmage in the run game and be, you know, flawless in, in the pass set. So uh, that didn't happen most of the time. You know, Donald was kind of pressuring, collapsing that interior pocket. You know, there were scrambles on the Kyler side to to both sides. You know, primarily they would kind of flush him to the left side because that's that's a difficult throw, even though Kyler has made it in the past. But for sure, it was a 
it was uh they were ready the game plan was there on the ram side on the line and you know things like that is gonna happen let's not forget guys that aaron donald is one of the best three techniques that, that are out there in the nfo if not the best one right so this guy is 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 a pro's pro he's definitely one of the guys that you have to uh establish quickly where he's at and kind of game plan towards him that didn't happen he got in a rhythm that's very difficult to deal with it was a difficult performance all around for the Arizona Cardinals, but hey, that's it's just one game. They're still, you know, one of the three teams with 10 wins. They're third in the NFC. So things, you know, there's reason to remain optimistic. The, the world isn't isn't ending necessarily. So let's move on to our rise and shine. Let's start off with Danny. You know, with the absence of Jalen Ramsey, there was some optimism in that passing game. And I think this specific player really outperformed his expectations. Yeah, it was A.J. Green for me, and this, I think, was the biggest game Green has had with Kyler Murray. We saw him as a reliable receiver when it was Colt McCoy filling in, but this was a huge game for A.J. Green. I think that he was reliable. He was making those great catches. He surpassed 100 receiving yards, and he became uh, just the fifth active player in the league to now hit 10,000 career receiving yards, which is a huge milestone. Obviously, you know, you don't want to lose a game like that, but to still find the good in that I think is huge, but that's important. That That's why Steve Kime brought in AJ Green, because teams are going to target DeAndre Hopkins and you need to have other receivers that can make those down, down the field catches and still be threats in those, uh, in those difficult passes to catch him. I think that it was important to see A.J. Green really shine in this game because DeAndre Hopkins was, I mean, he, he just didn't have his best game. And so I think that was important that we got to see Green connect with Kyler Murray as many times as he did. Craig, what about you? I'm going to go, despite what the numbers say, and they weren't great and typically don't highlight someone who throws two interceptions but for me my rise and shine player is Kyler Murray yes the decision on both of those interceptions are questionable great play by Aaron Donald tipping the ball great play by Leonard Floyd getting the hand up to where Zach Ertz couldn't get the ball in his vicinity but Kyler Murray does a great job and I'll go back to what Rolando was talking about with that offensive line I believe the stat from pro football focus was Aaron Donald 14 pressures the entire Cardinals defense, 10. Kyler Murray had to run, had to scramble for his life, still had this team in position to get this game into overtime. Kyler Murray's going to run you into a lot of plays. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to be aggressive, maybe too aggressive for some people. But when the chips are down and you need someone to step up, Kyler Murray is there consistently. And again, one drive from putting this game into overtime and then who knows what happens in those next 10 minutes. But the numbers aren't great. 49 pass attempts, too many for my liking. Could have been more considering the lack of depth in the secondary against the Rams. But Kyler Murray put this put the team on his back in position to win despite the mistakes that were made. So for me, he is my rise and shine player of the game. A little bit a little bit out of the box, Felipe, but you know that's what you've come to expect here from me on Morning Scramble. Yeah, you give me these audibles like super late. You know, you started <laughs> off with Zach Allen, which you know he had a, a pretty decent game. You know, he's he's having a career season, but then you switch it up to Kyler Murray. But I don't blame you, man. There were specific passes yesterday. I think it was the one at AJ Green where he was just running full steam out to his right, 
and just launches it. And it was an amazing catch by AJ Green, but it just had me thinking like, and I know we mentioned it so much. He's like a Madden created player to an extent. And those are the type of plays that if I'm playing with Kyler Murray on Madden, I'll be making those types of plays. But just to see it in person, it was just to just take it to another level. Like they say, there's levels to this and Kyler Murray keeps proving it. Obviously, he has to clean up the, the interceptions. But like you mentioned, if if you, t- if you take away one of those interceptions, now we're talking about a 30-30 game heading into overtime. So I, I that's what gets me optimistic because I feel like the team beat themselves. We hear that a lot, you know, two interceptions, a penalties, a failed conversion on specific fourth downs. So there's still optimis- optimism. Rolando, who's your rising oh, Sorry, star? Real quick, oh, sorry, Felipe, to interrupt. Sorry to cut you off, Rolando. Craig, I have like a follow-up question to that because you talk about, you know, what one drive away from forcing overtime or winning the game, and that's now the second time because it was the same situation against the Packers at home. So what what is this team missing that they haven't been able to capitalize in those situations? I think it's just experience. This team together is young as far as playing as a team. Doesn't mean youth can't win, but getting into these same situations and learning from mistakes. And also, specifically with the Packers game, Danny, and the Rams game, you're talking about two of the better teams, not just in the NFC, but the entire NFL. And, you know, as as everyone likes to say, they get paid too. But you have to play clean football and the Cardinals on Monday night did not play clean football but I'd still rather be in that situation for a chance for the tying score or case of the Packers game the go-ahead score than to be sitting there and just having the game uh, as the clock just run out and and focus on the next week so as frustrating and as nerve-wracking and as heartbreaking as it is put me in that situation as opposed to the Panthers game where you had no chance whatsoever after the first half. Orlando? Yeah, excellent. You know what? You guys uh, hit it. I, I love your Rise and Shine players. Danny, uh, AJ had a great game. Also, Kyler Murray. You know what? At the end of the game, at the end of the day, we're still there. It's not the end of the world, guys. I mean, our, our record is, is 10 and 3, and Kyler did excellent plays. I mean, he extended drives where, you know, for if you were another quarterback in the NFL, that would have been a sack, automatic sack, and you would have had an awful, awful day in, in, in that category. But not to say, I think I'm going to give a little love to special teams. Matt Prater, our kicker, starting off the drive. I mean, it, it was it was a, a great drive for the Cardinals, moving the ball in control. And then, you know what? Things kind of, you know, uh, went to a standstill and 53 yards went in. And then again, towards halftime, you know, a, an excellent heads-up play by Kyler Murray to kind of extend two, three more yards, put him in, in field goal position, and another 53-yarder. I mean, guys – it's really hard to nail 53 yarders in the NFL consistently. And Matt Prater has shown that every single week, like this guy is a proven veteran. And at the end of the game, yes, we took the three points. And with the philosophy of, you know what, we're forced to kind of kick an onside kick, right? To kind of do it and execute it to perfection. He did that right down the middle. Zayvon Collins over the defenders kind of just grabbed the ball. I mean, the the touch was, it's like a soccer touch, Craig and Danny. It's just like, I got to tap it, make sure it go hits it hits somebody at the at the ten yard line, and um, it did. So for me, Matt Prater is my rise and shine. We're gonna need the kicking game. These these teams that we're gonna face in the playoffs will be tight uh, scores, and you're gonna have to rely on on a kicker and a veteran kicker. And we have that this year, Matt Prater. So that's my rise and shine. I think for moving forward, I mean, this week is 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 a focus week 
we we have to make sure things get right versus the Lions, and that's going to be a big concern, how this team bounces back, but not only bounces back on Sunday, how they prep the entire week, Felipe, is going to be key so they can continue their efforts, you know, in, in the month of December. You know, the perk of working alongside an ex-NFL player like Rolando, right before that onside kick, he, he looked at me, he took his headset off because he's on radio, and he's like, hey, this is going to go down the middle. Matt Prater's going to go for it. He went for it, but obviously, Zayvon Collins recovered it. So he's seen a lot of things. He kind of, you know, he, that, the eight ball, the magic eight ball, and he, and he guesses. So props to you, Rolando. You know, it's not a lot. That, it's not a lot of times I get oh. props on my show, you know. I, I like Thank to give myself baby. props, Appreciate but you, you deserve it. All. So I'll, I'll top, top it off with James Conner. He's my rise and shine. Two rushing touchdowns yesterday makes him, puts him in second as the all-time, well, second in franchise history with 14 rush touchdowns. Only David Johnson has more with 16. And I think, you know, that's... James Conner is more than capable of reaching that or possibly even breaking it. But I'm a fantasy football guy. You know, I'm I'm I just qualified for the playoffs. Round of applause for myself. And, and a lot of the reason why was James Conner, right? Two rushing touchdowns. But what he did in the passing game, like who would you, who would ever think that James Conner is going to catch five plus passes out of the backfield, especially with one shoulder. hand, with, with one hand. Uh, I think his longest catch was 18 yards. I mean, like. Who would have thought that James Conner still had that in the bag? So when it, when it comes to fantasy football, that dude was a cheat code. I, I believe he gave people like 30-plus fantasy points, and he was, wow. I believe he was second among run, running backs in fantasy this week. So for you fantasy owners, thank James Conner if you have a chance on social media. But on top of that, just everything that he provides for this team. Every week, I always think to myself, like, who is he going to run over this week, and I believe he shed it off a, a tackle from his homeboy, Aaron Donald, for, if I'm not mistaken, his first, when, when he was in a, a wildcat formation, did he shed that Aaron Donald tackle off? Things like that. He's just running over people constantly, and I feel like those players in that locker room always tend to listen to James Conner. He's a leader. They brought him here for a reason, and I think people are finally seeing, like, James Conner still has a lot in the tank, and he's continuously proving it, so... That'll do it for our Rise and Shine. Let's move over to our Bringing Home the Bacon. And I don't have a topic necessarily, Craig, for you. I just like after losses, I tend to go to you because you have a certain passion. And I'm, I'm going to give you the floor. Hey, Felipe, because he's got the the, the post-game experience with all the callers. With right? all the callers yeah. and everything like that. That, you know, it's their venting session. Let, let's call it what it is. So I'm going to give you the floor. This is your venting session. You're free to do and say whatever you want. Just to be, don't be too pessimistic, you know. I try to be optimistic uh, this morning because I like what Rolando had to say as far as, look, you're 10-3, and three, you're still atop the NFC West and one of the top four teams in the NFC, but I'm going to look ahead. And Rolando might not like this because the player mentality is 1-0 this week, and I'm not dismissing the Detroit Lions, but this team needs to figure out not why it's struggling at home, but how to overcome it and correct it. I know exactly why this team is struggling at home. Slow starts and turnovers. They've committed 11 turnovers at home, two on the road. Got to be able to protect the football, but two more opportunities to figure this out, including on Christmas Day when the Indianapolis Colts come to town. If this team wants a successful run in the postseason, wants to host playoff games, 
you got to figure out home field advantage. Otherwise, as Kingsbury joked postgame, maybe they just lose the rest of their home games and go on the road. It worked for Tampa Bay last year. It's worked for other teams. But that's you want the path of least resistance. And right now, the Cardinals, they're making it difficult on themselves, losing three straight home games because they cannot protect the football. Too many mistakes, guys trying to do too much. So now you have to figure out not the why. I gave you the why, but now to figure out how to correct it and make sure it stops happening because it's been a, an issue now for three straight games. So, again, Felipe, I'm not dismissing the Detroit Lions, but I'm looking ahead to the next game at State Farm Stadium where we will really know where this Arizona Cardinals team is headed in 2021. Danny, Craig touched on the turnovers, and I feel like you know, Kyler Murray in those last two primetime home games, he has a combined of four interceptions and he hasn't necessarily thrown a touchdown, which is surprising, right? He's been dominating all season. Is it a matter of him just, you know, fixing those mistakes, looking in the mirror and just owning it and improving moving forward? I think that's the only way you can get over it is you have to watch the film and you have to figure out what went wrong of what was he seeing? What was he not seeing in the defenses? Was there any sort of miscommunication on the route running from the wide receiver? You have to look at it from all the angles because you can't win games if you keep turning the ball over. And you were mentioning, I mean, the the fumble specifically, this team, now they've gotten lucky because they've recovered most of their own fumbles, but at home, for whatever reason, they are just struggling and it's a completely different team when they hit the road and I don't know if that's a mentality of being an underdog this organization is treated like an underdog by national media uh, mostly anyway so I don't know if that just kind of fuels them and gives them more fire when they hit the road I mean there were hardly any Rams fans at State Farm Stadium so Red Sea definitely showed up I I don't know what was missing for them at the home games. And I think that's something that they're really going to have to focus on. But also this week specifically, you can't have a mental hangover before you go up to Detroit and you face the Lions who have one win. I mean, you you can't just count them out and say, oh, you know what, we're going to go to Detroit, we're going to get the win, we're going to have a playoff berth, and then you know we can move on from there. You have to still prep for this team, for the Lions, like you would any other team. Rolando, I know we've talked about the turnovers and struggles offensively, but man, Cooper Cup really had a day. You touched on that. You touched on not necessarily overlooking uh, the Detroit Lions. So before we wrap up the show, what does this defense have to do to, you know, improve that secondary? I feel like the secondary finally uh, got exposed. You know, let's, let's call it, it what it is. They call it, they got exposed. A secondary that's been playing well for the for the most part this season, mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford's targeted Marco Wilson. And the last quarterback who truly targeted Marco Wilson like that was Aaron Rodgers. And I believe I tweeted something out like, once you get to the playoffs, you're going to face the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Matthew Stafford's, the Jimmy G's. Elite. Guy, yeah. The guys that I feel have enough experience in the NFL that when they see a rookie cornerback, they're going to target him. Well, so it, what, it, it, it was it was like that yesterday. Marco Wilson against Cooper Cup. That uh, you know that that throw right to the cone right there. Man, that's you have six inches to put that ball there. And Marco made a play. I mean, the kid is a rookie. He made the the exact cut. He was supposed to go towards the ball. He actually, I think he touched it on the replay. He touched it. It, it was just a hard throw, man. And the, that's the 
the margin of error when you're talking about elite quarterbacks, Felipe, like the Brady's, like the the Rodgers of the world, you, you just have to do it. And you're right, that that secondary did get a little exposed. I mean, everybody played against Cooper Cup. Isaiah Simmons started, you know, uh, for the, in the beginning of the game versus Cooper Cup, and he that didn't work out. Then you you bring in Byron Murphy Jr., but then Byron Murphy has to bounce out. I mean, everybody on the rotation kind of hit on Cooper Cup, and there was no solution. So you're right. Uh, that he was a playmaker. He is a playmaker for the Rams. And, and you know, what the defense needs to do moving forward is just kind of settle in their grooves. What, what Craig mentioned is true. You know, we're down two, we're down two turnovers. Uh, we, we get down in, uh, on the scoreboard. All those things is what the Cardinals have been doing on the road, guys. We, we create those turnovers. We, we force fumbles. We intercept the ball. And we give Kyler that opportunity. So that's got to happen in Detroit. And just to kind of put this in parentheses, this game versus the Rams was not a trap game, guys. This game was was a legit physical, you know, NFC showdown, NFC West showdown. When we go to Detroit, that's going to be a trap game. That's going to be where you're going to be tested on your focus, on, on how you prep this week, on how the the design uh, for, for the game plan, not only offensively, but defense is set. That way you can kind of just come out of there with a victory, first of all, and feeling good about your work. That's what has got to happen moving forward because the it's going to get tougher, guys. The Colts coming in on Christmas Day, it, it's going to be a battle as well. Those guys are, are gelling as well. They're kind of producing. Finally, Wentz and, and all those guys are, are, are establishing their running game. So moving forward, every single game is going to count, Felipe. And we have to start today. The practice today, the focus today on Monday has to be there in order for this team to move forward. And I'm pretty sure that Rams game isn't the only NFC showdown that they have left on the calendar. You guys mentioned uh, the Colts, but they do have to travel to Dallas. They do have to host the Seahawks. Where, you know, they're gelling under Russell Wilson. So we'll see how they'll adapt. That'll do it for us on The Breakfast Club. This is the Morning Scramble presented by Verizon Wireless. Don't forget the Cardinals visit the Detroit Lions in week 15. And then, hey. Come join us on the Morning Scramble the day after at 10 a.m. here live on the Arizona Cardinals Twitter page. We'll catch y'all later.